This morning we're going to be looking at a Psalm, Psalm 139. So please take your Bible or take your device and scroll to that. If you're familiar with this Psalm, it's one of the more famous ones in all of the book of Psalms. It's a deeply personal Psalm. Perhaps you find yourself this morning in the midst of conflict. In the days ahead, you are not looking forward to some conversations that you'll be having. Maybe you're anxious today, not satisfied with your current situation in life. Perhaps there's an appointment, test results, a surgery that awaits, and you find yourself being nervous over this. Perhaps you find yourself squeezed by the pressures of work, school, family, and church responsibilities. Perhaps there's people in your life that are just jerks, <laughs> and they kind of be, are bullying you. And add all to this, you feel alone. You look around this room, it's full, but you feel very much alone, like no one knows what you're going through. David, in Psalm 139, was experiencing some of these things. Near the end of this psalm, we'll find out that there are enemies that are pursuing him. So Bible teachers think this could be during the time of Saul, when he felt threatened by David because David would be the new king, and so Saul and his leaders were trying to kill him. It could also be during the time of Absalom, his own son, in which he was trying to get David out of the reign. And in all of this, what does David do? He writes a song. I don't know about you, but music can be very powerful, can it? My oldest son is a senior, and he's writing a senior thesis on the effects of music and how music can help a person focus during study, help them with mental illness, help them with depression, even things like motivation. So we ought not to be surprised if God created music that he would use it for his glory. So we see here in Psalm 139, in midst of all this pressure that David is feeling, he's going to write out a song for us. And so would you look with me at these 24 verses found in Psalm 139? He wrote, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in, behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the outermost parts of the sea, 
Even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. For you form my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are now more than the sand. I awake, and I am still with you. Oh, that you would slay the wicked. O God, O men of blood, depart from me. They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me. And lead me in the way of everlasting. Our Father, once again, we turn to you and we pray for you to take your word for many familiar words, I think, and allow us to look through this song and and get a, a fresh awareness and appreciation for who you are. That you are the God who knows. You are the God who is present. You're the God that works out purposes in our life. And our response is all, all out humility towards you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, as we look at this song, what David is going to do is he's going to set a great example for us in the midst of all the pressure and anxiety that you are feeling today, if that is you. He's going to set an example by first looking to God. He's going to identify some qualities or some attributes of God. And then at the end of that, we're going to see an example in light of those attributes or characteristics of how he prays to God. So let's first look that God is all-knowing. God is all-knowing. It says there in verse 1, O Lord, you have searched me and know me. The word know here in the Hebrew is yada. It means to intimately be aware of another person. That word know or known is used seven different times in this psalm. Now I wonder if you would be honest with me this morning. How many of you really like it when someone knows you very well? I think most of us are like, would you stop being up in my business? I don't really want you to know everything about me. 
And I think we could trace that back to the fall. At one time, Adam and Eve had a very close relationship with God. And then when they sinned, they, sur- they discovered their nakedness. And what did they do? They tried to hide that nakedness by covering themselves. And ever since then, we have been hiding ourselves as well. And so we don't want to open up all of the different cupboards of our lives because what happens if you really see who I am in private? So we see that God is all-knowing. When we look here at these verses, we see a list of different opposites. In verse 2, it says, You know when I sit down and when I rise up. In verse 3, you search out my path. That is, as I am active, as I am walking on a path. And then the second part of verse 3 says, and my lying down. Do you see the opposites there? In verse 5, you hand me in behind and before. What David is doing during this song is he is using these grammatical techniques of saying, you know everything about me. It was Jesus who said, Why, even the hairs of your head are numbered. Now, you and I might feel threatened that someone knows all the details of our life. But for David, he takes great comfort in this. He's experiencing this pressure, this threat of enemies. And when he quotes or when he refers to verse 5 of people, as it says there, you hem me in behind and before, we might be tempted to feel squeezed like I've got no freedom here. But for David, he feels protected. That is, nothing is going to happen to me unless God allows it. So the first thing we see in this pressure that he is experiencing is that David returns to who God is, and he says that you are all-knowing. And look at verse 6. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, and I cannot attain it. Here's this marvelous thought that God knows everything about you, and yet he still loves you. Do you remember the woman at the well in John chapter 4? She was married five times. And then she was with a sixth man at the, at the time which Jesus encountered her at the well. And yet Jesus pursued her. And it says in John 4 verse 29, she said, come to the village people. Come see a man who told me all I ever did. God knows every detail about your life presently and in the past, and yet He still loves you, and He is still pursuing you. He takes you with all sins, all regrets, and all pain, and loves and pursues. No wonder, David concludes, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. So the first attribute as, uh, as David is laying some beats down here for this song, 
is that God is all-knowing. The second attribute we see is that God is all-present. Psalm 139, 7 through 12. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? And once again, he's going to start offering some opposites. In verse 8, if I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there in heaven and in death or in hell. In verse 9, if I take the wings of the morning, that is if I, I fly into the heavens and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, or if I plummet to the bottom of the sea, you are there. In the darkness, when I feel like I am dark, you come and shine light to where I am. Once again, is this comforting to you? To know that God is present wherever you are at? I mean, if we're honest, how many of us like to be watched all the time? One of my boys uh, works at at the grocery store and, and says that there's a surveillance camera that's always watching him. One of the men that's a trucker for decades in our church says that when you're driving a truck right now, there's a camera that's always watching every move. That's not necessarily comforting to me, because that could be used against me, right? But for David, it was very reassuring. As he was about ready to be confronted by these enemies that wanted to take him out, to know that he wasn't alone. And we know what that's like. We have loved ones, maybe family or friends, and they go through a tragedy. And there's something within us that says, We don't want that person to be left alone. Someone stay with them this morning or afternoon or evening. Maybe they've gone through something traumatic like a a surgery and we're not going to leave them alone. And how comforting it is for us to know that whatever we're going through, we are not alone. God is always present. And in all these things, we can see it being fulfilled in Jesus as well. Let me read to you a passage from John chapter 1, found in verses 45 through 49. Jesus was also always present. This is the invitation of Nathanael. It says in verse 45 of John chapter 1, Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said to him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Verse 49, Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Nathanael looked around. He didn't see anyone when he was under the fig tree. But Jesus was present. Jesus saw him. 
So, so far as we've worked our way through the first two verses, taking some liberty here, the two first two verses of this song that David wrote in the midst of trouble, he is focusing on God being all-knowing, and then he's focused on God being all-present. And now thirdly, God is all-purposeful. All-purposeful. So David now is going to, is going to draw back and, and think about his own existence. I'm going to give you three words that begin with O. Consider his origin. Saad says there in verse 13, For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. Look at what it says in verse 16. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. So what David is doing in the midst of his crisis is he's reflecting back on God's purposes for his life. And it's amazing, as he does this, he reflects that when he came into being. And no church family that he doesn't go back to the day he was, quote-unquote, born. He goes back to when he was conceived. It says it right there in verse 16. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. He goes back to when, when he was an embryo, when he was a fetus. And he says, God... You knew me there. I had a distinct DNA from my parents. I was just as much of a human being at that moment as I am today. The only difference is I'm older, I'm more developed, and my size is different. But I take great value in learning that even as an unformed substance, you had a purpose for me. And there's something that comes that's very encouraging to me about that, Father. And so you see that in this song, we get informed of the value of life. And church family, I don't know if you know or not, but this is an election year. In about the next nine months, there is going to be an avalanche of ads assaulting what the Bible has just clearly said here. That life begins in the womb, that life begins at conception. And we have the joy of valuing children because God values children. So don't be caught up with these ads and don't be caught up with these spinning of information. But may we go back and fight for the unborn life and and appreciate and value what God has said about life in the womb. You have saw my unformed substance and it has infinite value. That's the origin Now again, he's he's going through this song. Now let's consider there's order to this as well. That is that God has a design in this. 
It says there in verse 13, For you form my inward parts, so you knitted me together in my mother's womb. 14, I praise you, for I am fearfully, this word fearfully is I, I stand in awe when I reflect on how you have made me, not only me, but how you have created this human race with a particular order, with a particular design. God is not only all-knowing, he's not only all-present, he is infinitely wise in his creation. And if he has made us a male, if he has made us a female, he had a very good reason to make us that. And if we want to be fearfully made, if we want to stand in awe of that, then we will honor what the Creator has set into being. We live in a very confused world today, on this side of the fall, where people would choose to try to change what God has designed and transition to a different gender. And any sort of culture that encourages this, elects representatives to do this, and has industry and businesses and organizations and even funds this, stands in direct contradiction to what God's Word says about this. So there is not only this order of identity, but there is also this order of family that we see in Scripture as well, where God said to Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply, and he created them with certain parts of their body, uh, which they would be able to do this. And so God's marriage design, his family design, is between a, a man and a woman, that they would be fruitful and multiply. This is the origin that God has given to us, and we are in a world today, as I say these words, it's possible that, that YouTube could have already taken this off, because we live in a world where we can't proclaim this well we can do it for now at least in the church so there is this origin there is this order and then this third is this one of a kind you see it there in verse 14 i praise you for i am fearfully and wonderfully made this word wonderfully is the word that means Distinguished, marked out, different. As, as David is going through the challenges that he is, he goes back to this idea that his life has a particular purpose. And it's different from other people's. It is distinct. And what wonderful freedom there is, loved ones, when you realize that you don't have to try to be someone that you are not. There's an expression that we have that says, when God made so-and-so, he broke the mold. Well, he has broken every mold because you are made in a particular way that is unique to you. It could be that your skin color, could be your body size, could be your ethnic group, it could be your family, it could be your body size, all of that is way God has chosen in his wisdom to make you. Some of you have had body parts that have been wearing out. I'm going to choose my 
son Titus here, I think when he was four years old, his pancreas was warring out. And it was no longer producing insulin. And so he has what's called diabetes. And we might ask the question, did God make a mistake when he, when he allowed him to have a body of which at age four it would, it, the pancreas would wear out? And we'd say, no. Thank God that he gave him four years of a good pancreas and thank God for all the pumps and the CGMs, the things that, and the insulin that keeps him going today. In all these things, we might look around and say, my situation is different than the other. But the point is this, God is all wise. And he knew exactly what he was doing when he gave you the situation he gave you. We have five boys. And each of them are different. Some of them like movies and making movies. Some of them like music and making music. Some of them like using their hands with wood and metal and and paint. Others are really good at athletics. Others are really good at, at people and connecting with people. Their personalities are different. Some are very thoughtful. Some never think at all. <laughs> some are loud. Some are quiet. Some are sensitive and thick-skinned. Some of them are clean. Now, how'd that get in here? That... <laughs> Here's the point. It's okay to have weaknesses. God has not given you all the strengths. What freedom there is, loved ones, of learning how God has made you and just maximizing that by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, we've explored these three different attributes of God, that God is all-knowing, that God is present, and God is all-purposeful. Now let's consider the application, because we have that in the concluding part of this song. And it might surprise you how honest David is in his prayer. Here's the prayer, help me with my enemies. Look at what it says in verses 19 through 22. I wonder if you've ever prayed something like this. Oh, that you would slay the wicked. (laughs) Oh God, oh men of blood, depart from me. They speak against You with malicious intent, your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who hate or who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them for my enemies. Now, where does this honesty come from? Well, I think it's found rooted in that God knows everything anyway. God is present anyway. And in fact, did you see what it says there in verse 4? Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. So David's like, you know what I'm thinking. So let me just pray it anyway. And here's the point. David has the same enemies as God does. He is passionate about God's name. And he sees that what the enemies are doing is a threat to God. It's a threat to him. And so he is praying, God, would you bring judgment on these people that are against what you are trying to accomplish? You know it all. You are present for it all. You have made me a certain way. Now, would you please address your 
enemies. And then he says, the next part, search my heart. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. And I appreciate the honesty. He is saying, not only will you deal with your enemies, God, but deal with me. Search me, O God, and know my heart. If he is really to attain self-awareness, he needs God-awareness. For God to reveal to him who he really is in God's sight. And then he says, and see if there's any grievous way in me. That word grievous is the word anxious. God, you know what I'm going through. You know the pressure that I am facing. You know that I have enemies. You know that they're, they're on the attack here. And so in response to that, if you search me, and you see some anxiety, that's, that's rooted in mistrust of who you are. And I don't want that. Probably many of you in this room have at one time in your life prayed verses 23 and 24. I'm just telling you, when you do that, it'd be wise to have a piece of paper and a pencil. Because I believe God will answer that prayer. God, show me my heart. Show me the sin in my life. He will do that. And he will give you the opportunity one by one to write those out. If you want to experience a personal revival, I would encourage you to do that. So here's the main theme that we see throughout this psalm. David's heart is laid bare before God. He is experiencing this pressure, these this crisis in his life. People are pursuing him. And he's going back to who God is. God, you know everything. God, you are present. You are all purposeful. Now, will you deal with this situation? And in the process of it, will you work in my heart? This is what he is saying through this. Now, let me give you a a Jesus example of where this is being fulfilled. And to do that, I'm going to have you turn to the 21st chapter of John. John chapter 21, this is after Jesus was crucified, after he was raised to life. And do you remember Peter, his leader of the disciples? And do you remember what Peter did during the time of arrest, how he, how he denied Jesus three separate times? And then you'll probably remember this passage in John chapter 21. Verses 15 through 17. It says, When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend to my sheep. And then would you look at verse 17? He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. 
Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Here's today's takeaway. Even though God truly knows us, he still loves us and uses us in his work. Even though God truly knows us, he still loves us and uses us in his work. I think there's a desire that each of us have to be fully known. But for many of us, to be fully known, we're afraid that if people actually knew us and we took the fig leaves off of our lives, they'd run in the other direction. But you see, there is one that knows you better than you know yourself. And he sent Jesus to die for you. He's not running in the other direction. He's running towards you to save you from your sin. And here's a little secret that I found out in life. I've never been high on drugs. I think I was drunk once. That was our last deacon retreat. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Wait, no, we don't do that. I promise you, no. Uh, I was in college, and I think someone gave me something and wanted to get me drunk, okay? But I am telling you from personal experience, the greatest high that I've ever known is when I'm completely broken, completely open to what God wants to do in my life. I am not playing games at all. I'm completely transparent and absolutely dependent on Him to do everything. And He uses me. It could be with my wife. It could be with my kids. And I don't know why. It could even be in a church. And the joy that comes from doing that is addicting in a very good way. I think Psalm 139 holds that out for us. If you find yourself in pressure today, if you find yourself hemmed in, return to who God is. He is all-knowing. He sees Don't try to sweep stuff in and, and, and throw it in a closet and, and put it there so no one can see. But bring it out in the open. Confess your sins to God. Allow him to search your heart. Weaknesses and all. And allow him to use you. I mean, that is what you are created for. And that's what our church is created for. And so may we do that. Would you pray with me? We will never, ever not need to know who you are, God. And we are thankful for David to put down a song for us to remind us that you know it all, you are everywhere at every time, and that you have purpose for our lives. I thank you for the weaknesses you've given to us, for the pancreases that don't work, for the the things that are 
at one time were working so well, but, but now they are not. You are giving us another opportunity to trust you in a fuller way. Thank you that there's still a woman at the well that could say, I've, I've made such a mess of my life, but they are being pursued by you. Thank you that you only use broken people. Thank you for the joy that we get of not only knowing that we're loved, but then we are used by you to carry out your work. And may we submit to that again. And may we look at this verses 23 and 24 and say, would you search my heart and just show me where I am sinning and falling short? Where am I not trusting you? If I'm going to pray that for you to deal with my enemies, then first deal with me. And may I just be obedient to how you're leading. In Jesus' name, amen.